You guys can be seated. Well, I'm really excited about the month of February for a lot of different reasons, one of which is we're going to have a a 28-day prayer and fasting time. Last week, we talked about prayer. We kind of went through the the Lord's Prayer, kind of gave five kind of things that prayer and spending time in prayer will do personally for you. Today, I want to talk about fasting. Now, I know what you're thinking. Pastor Mike, I love to eat, amen? Biscuits and gravy and eggs and fried apples, steak and baked potato. Did anybody have an Outback special this week? Anybody go to Outback? Man, when I want a steak, that's like, I don't know why. I mean, there's better. I just like the flavor and the stuff on it and baked potato and salad. Man, I know what you're thinking. Get me to those donut holes ASAP. I I understand when we think about food or when we think about fasting, the first thing is I can't give up food for a day. I can't give up food for a couple of days. I I can't go 10 days without without food. And and, and so what I want to do is just kind of walk you through this thing and go, yeah, you can. It's a very familiar passage of scripture. Go to Matthew chapter nine. In Matthew chapter nine, you have... Uh, Jesus did one of his uh, more famous miracles when he healed the, the paralytic man. And then in verse 14, John the Baptist's disciples came and asked him, how is it that when the Pharisees fast, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? If you were a good Pharisee and the disciples of John the Baptist tried to be good Pharisees, they would fast twice a week. The Jewish, uh, on the Jewish calendar, there were three fast days in the entire year. And so for the Pharisees to go twice a week or, what, 104 times a year, man, they were really trying to impress people with their spirituality. Fasting is not about impressing anybody with your spirituality, all right? Anybody can go without food for 12 hours, Anybody can go without food for 24 hours. It doesn't necessarily make you spiritual because you don't eat. What, what kind of makes the spiritual component of it is what you do during that fast. And then Jesus gave them this parable. Now, it, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it, then I'm going to update the story. All right? Not that God needs my help in updating the story, but we just don't have wineskins anymore. You know? You talk about unsanitary. Remember when we all bought those little bottles to hang on to our backpacks and drink out of them? Then the government came out and told us that the plastic was bad, that, you know, the water went in. That we, so we threw those away and had to buy the other ones and got that. So, so I just kind of want to bring it up to speed just a little bit. Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he, the bridegroom, is with them? Now, he's basically talking about a wedding reception. He says, at a wedding reception, you don't fast during the wedding reception because the father of the bridegroom would provide for food, clothes, and lodging, most cases for an entire week, some cases for an entire month. Wouldn't you like to know that guy? And so Jesus is saying, finish the verse, the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from him then my disciples will fast. Then he talks about fasting. 
Verses 14 and 15 is his response to the question, to the immediate question. And now you get the teaching that takes you deeper into the truth of fasting that was found in the question. Verse 16. No one sews a patch of unshrunken cloth on a garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment. If they do, the skins will burst, and the wine will run out, and the red, eh, the red skins, the wine skins will be ruined, thinking football here. No, they pour new wine into new wine skin, and both are preserved. Now, these were animal skins that were dried out. The longer an animal skin was in use, it would lose its elasticity. It would get hardened. And so if you had wine in the bottom of the wine skin bag, that wine, which would ferment, which would expand, which the gases would, would expand that wine skin, it would help keep its elasticity. But over time, the skin dries out. So there would be cracks in the skin. Now the cracks in the skin or in the seams would not be easy to detect or to see. It would be only when you start to pull out the wine from the wine skin that you would see where the cracks are. So one of the solutions would be you take a piece of old cloth because it was cheap, it was inexpensive, it was easy to do. You would take an old cloth and you would sew it on the wine skin. The problem is, is the next time you put new wine into the old wine skin, it would continue, the wine would, and the fermentation and the bubbles and the gases would continue to make it expand and it would tear not only the fabric, the old fabric, but then it would pull apart the places that you sewed it in on the new wine skin. And, and now you've just compounded the problem. And so Jesus was saying, you got two problems here, people. One is the wine skin, and the other one is the person holding the wine skin. Because here's a guy holding a wine skin, and, and, and we're going to try to up tempo here, all right? And if I wanted to, to get a drink, then, then let's see if I could do this. I really wasn't sure where the leak was. <laughs> now that I found it, I feared electrocution. See, Wanda put a crack in this thing or a hole in this thing before the service. It leaks. You, you got a wine skin, Jesus is saying, and it leaks. And what people wanted to do was put a little put a little glue on that thing, put a little caulking on that thing, and then they just pour new drink into the old bottle. Now, in the context, Jesus was talking about the old covenant and the new covenant, all right? His, his response to John's disciples was simply that you cannot continue because Christ has come and his death, burial, resurrection and the coming Holy Spirit, you cannot continue to operate under the new covenant like you did under the old covenant. But I kind of want to bring that a little bit more up to speed for us here today. I want you to understand a couple of lessons and a couple of implications for us today because I want you to fast. I want you to, 
I want you to pick a date in February and I want you to grab a hold of it and I want you to fast, whether 12 hours, 24 hours, whether you do everything but water or whether you do a, a orange juice, apple juice and, and, and water and that's it kind of thing. If you're on medicine, man, don't fast food. If you gotta take food with your medicine, fast from TV, fast from medias, Facebook, all that other kind of stuff. But here's three things I want you to understand that fasting will do when you plug into fasting. Man, it'll check the condition of your heart. It will check the condition of your heart. See, most of us are just like this bottle. Most of us look good. Most of us know we got water in us. Most of us Christians, we know we got the a Holy Spirit inside our heart and our life. What you don't see is the crack. What you don't see is the hole. What we cover up is the sin. What we try to make blend in is those, those cracks and those chinks in our armor, those cracks in our character and, and the sins that are there. And, and we just kind of cover them up or we compare them against somebody else's bottle and we go, well, I'm not all that bad. Listen, if you got a hole in your wineskin, if you got a hole in your bottle, if there is this spiritual hole in your soul, if there is sin in your heart, if you have a time of prayer and fasting, God will reveal that to you. Several years ago now, I did a, I did a, a, a sabbatical. I, I went up to a, a cabin up north and I took, I don't know, seven uh, eight, nine days, and I, and I just spent it. I took my notepad, I took my Bible, and I took my computer. Uh, I, I called home once a day just to check in. Other than that, it was nothing. No TV, no radio, no, no nothing. And nobody ever taught me how to have a sabbatical. So I figured that the Muslims prayed five times a day. I would pray five times a day. So I just chose and made up my own little rules because nobody ever taught me. And, and so I kind of had to have a little to-do list since that's the way I, I function or I go crazy. So I thought, all right, I'm going to pray at 9, 12, 3, 6, and 9. I'm going to pray five times a day. I'm going to pray an hour a day. And anything in between there, I, I, I would read. I, I would, you know, just kind of dream and vision and all that kind of stuff. And, and so anyway, that's kind of what I did. So then I kind of needed a, a plan or a model. So I thought, well, I'll do A-C-T-S and then leave one open for whatever kind of comes up. A would be adoration, that was nine o'clock. Confession of sin, that was 12 o'clock. Uh, Thanksgiving was at three and supplication, praying for you, praying for the church, praying for specific prayer needs. That was at six o'clock. And then rounding out the day was, was nine and it was just kind of like praying through the scriptures most of the time is what it comes. Now, when I was doing this, I'm thinking, oh baby, man, I can't wait till nine. I can't wait till three. I can't wait till six. I can't wait till 9 p.m. But I didn't have a clue about that 12 o'clock time. That's the confession of sin time. Because honestly, folks, man, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't chew, you know, the old joke. I don't even hang around with folks who do, you know. And so I, in my arrogance... I, in my pompous arrogance, took my notepad into the upstairs room, first one to the right, because I, I was journaling, I was writing down, and I prayed a little courtesy prayer, and I didn't have a clue. I, I could picture myself what I would do for the first minute. But I didn't have a clue what would happen the other 59 because I just 
thought I didn't have any big sins to confess. Dude, there's no adultery. There's no fraud, no theft, no, no hidden crimes, a, a passion. I mean, there's none of that. You know, no gossip, no, I mean, just, and it's not that I'm perfect. It's just, man, I really try to work hard at living right. And so I came to 12 o'clock and I did this courtesy prayer to God. And in my pompous arrogance, here was what I said. I, I just simply prayed the scripture that David said in the book of Psalm, Lord, examine my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. God said, got a pen. Two and a half hours later, I got off my knees. God had been waiting for me to ask him what were some of the cracks what were some of those acceptable sins that we just kind of cover up? And man, I'm telling you, every day for as long as I was there, that 12 o'clock hour was the longest, most intense, and it was the time where I wrote the most for those seven or eight or nine days. See, see, we all got this. We, we all got this. And, and to be honest, we all, we all do that too, don't we? We, we have these sins in our hearts that, that we just kind of leave there. And, and see, I want you to understand this parable is just as much about the wine skin as it is the person holding the wine skin. Because sometimes you and I have these private sins, these pet sins, these secret sins that we absolutely do not want to let go of. And then until you let go of them, or you will never know the freedom that Christ has for you until you let go of them. So I think one of the great things that fasting will do to you is if you just simply pray that prayer, God, Search my heart, oh Lord, see if there be any wicked way in me, man. I think he's going to start showing you some, some cracks, some leaks, some places in the seam where you look good, but you're an unfit vessel. The second thing fasting, I think, is going to do for you is that fasting is going to help you look at the capacity of the harvester. Plugging into fasting will check the capacity of the harvester. Now, I want you to understand, this bottle with no holes can hold a lot more capacity than this bottle with holes. You understand that? Last night, my beautiful, the most beautiful grandbaby in all the world came over to my house. Now, she didn't drive there. Mom and dad brought her. I don't want you to think, you know, she is fluent in four languages already. I do want you to understand that. And her little hands only have so much capacity if she were to put them together and try to cup a handful of water. A teenager's hands has greater capacity. Your hands as an adult has even greater capacity than that. Remember when Jesus said, the harvest is ripe, but the labors are few. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth harvesters, laborers, you see, the reaping of the harvest depends just as much not only on the harvest fields, but the capacity of the harvesters. And we all understand capacity, don't we? 
Your cell phone has capacity. Your computer has capacity. Your memory stick that you slam in that computer, it has capacity. We understand about capacity. If you're an over-the-road trucker, you understand you want a big capacity fuel tank so you can not have to make frequent stops and you can just keep going. We understand this thing of capacity. And what fasting will do, it will help you understand your own personal capacity level of you the harvester. See, as we specifically pray about the future around here, I just kind of want to throw three, three things out at you about three different capacities. I recently read a book. It was a book on leadership. It really wasn't a, a Christian book, but it, it, a lot of things kind of carry over. And one of the things about it that it talked about is that, 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 that leaders are people who really make a difference, people who can, can really help others in, in, in times of need, step up to the front, and that kind of thing. They have this pain capacity. They have this ability to endure hardship. They're not whiners. They're not belly. I mean, they're going to be honest. They're not going to say that life is great. I will never forget the first time I, I talked to uh, somebody in North Carolina. This is back when I first started preaching. Jim Baker and Tammy Faye, they were all huge. I mean, they were right there in, in Dunn, North Carolina. And that was kind of like their neck of the woods and the whole thing. And I remember talking to this one couple. And the wife looked at me after listening to me share the gospel and all that. And she looked at me and she said, you know, if I become a Christian, do I have to look like Tammy Faye? I said, oh, please, no. No, I'm not talking about inconvenienced. I'm talking about those of us who are in the harvest fields because ministry isn't easy, is it? Amen? We have four people involved in ministry. We got to step it up here in first service. No, we have more than that. Ministry isn't easy, might as well, amen, it isn't. Because let's be honest, people are messy, amen? Their lives are messy, their homes are messy. Nothing is a 30-minute sitcom where it all works out like the Cosby show in the end. And you have to, you have to broaden your capacity to endure hardships. In Acts chapter 5, remember the disciples were thrown in jail. They were beaten. They were told by the authorities not to preach Jesus or in Jesus' name anymore in that city. What do they do? They walked out of there rejoicing because they were counted worthy to suffer shame for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then the next verse says, and they cease not to preach Jesus from house to house and in the temple. See, when your capacity to follow God is greater than your avoidance of discomfort or inconvenience, then you're going to start to make a difference. But sometimes we don't know that capacity level. And when you, when you spend time alone in God and prayer, and when you're hungry and you don't give in to the hunger, and, and you say no to your body, then you increase your capacity level. I think it also, we need to increase our relational capacity. We need to increase our relational capacity. Jesus did that. He always was bringing people into the harvest, new disciples into the work. 
people into the fellowship. He brought in the, uh, the Samaritan woman at the well, the woman caught in the act of adulteress, Matthew the traitor, Zachariah, Zacchaeus the tree climber, Nicodemus the, the, the guy who walked and found Jesus in the middle of the night. I'm telling you, anybody, anywhere, he was always inviting into the fellowship. He was always expanding his relational capacity. Let me tell you where this really needs to flesh out. This really needs to flesh out in our life groups. We need to have, as our church begins to continue to grow larger, man, we've got to get smaller. We've got to get everybody plugged in to a life group, not just where you have Twinkies and Ho-Hos and a, and a bag of chips and a little bit of pop and sit around and just talk about how things are going, but where you study God's word and you take God's word and apply it to life and you get to know one another and you pray for one another and, and you hold each other accountable and you talk about the joys of life and you talk about the struggles of life. You talk about the successes of life. You talk about the burdens of life. You're praying for your chil- their children. They're praying for your children. They're praying for your grandchildren. You're praying for their grandchildren. You're, they're praying for your job. You're praying for their job. There is this reciprocal nature that, and it raises the capacity of everybody in the group when there's that kind of spiritual authenticity going on. But here's what we'd rather do. And, and, instead of getting the full bottle that doesn't leak, we, we like just hanging on to the one that's half full, a third full, almost now a quarter full. See, the problem isn't just with the bottle, but the problem is with the guy holding the bottle. Let me give you one other capacity, and that's exposure capacity. I think fasting will, will, will kind of expand your, your exposure just a little bit. If you had, if all you ever knew, if your granddaddy and your great-granddaddy and your mom and dad and, and your aunts and uncles and everybody you knew and everybody that lived around you in your community lived in a two-bedroom, one-bath, 900-square-foot house. If that is all you knew, two-bedroom, one-bath, 900-square-foot house. If you won the lottery, $10 billion. I know it's bigger than that, but I'm just making up a number. $10 billion. You bought a piece of property, I can tell you what kind of house you're going to build. You're going to build a two-bathroom, one, or two-bedroom, one-bath, 800, 900-square-foot home because that's all you've ever known. But if I were to take you to Beverly Hills in California, if I were to take you to Aspen, Colorado, if I were to take you to the high-rises in New York City, oh, my goodness, all of a sudden, your exposure has just been shot off the chart. And now with your $10 billion, you're not going to go back and build a two-bedroom, one-bath, 800, 900-square-foot home, are you? You may be like Jed and Granny Clampett not know how to live in that big house, but you're going to build a big house, amen? I think when we get time alone with God, that all of a sudden our exposure level increases. Why? Because we push away from the static and the noise of the world. We push away from the schedule and the things that eat in our time, demand our time, or we just lazily just kind of default our time to. 
and we push away so that we can spend time with one focus, and that's just to know God better through prayer, not the giving up of the food. It just creates the opportunity. And so I think fasting increases our capacity. But there's one other thing I think fasting will do to you on a very personal level. It'll reveal the condition of your heart. It'll, it'll, it'll expand your capacity. But the final thing that it'll do, and, and then I want you to hear this, it will check the commitment of our hope. It'll check the commitment of our hope. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. See, here's the problem. The problem wasn't just the wineskin. The problem was also the guy who was holding the wineskin who refused to put it down so he could pick up something better. And some people hang on to the sins of their past. Some people hang on to the things that, that, that just don't work. But you keep doing them anyway. And you hang on to old patches for new problems. And God's got something better for you. You can't just blame it on the wine skin. You're holding that thing. You got to put it down and pick up something better. And so when you spend time with God, and it's simply, in fasting, it simply is a time where God says, all right, let's examine your commitment. Do you really believe in me? Do you really trust me when I give you a promise in God's word? Do you really claim it? Are you really holding out? See, here's what most of us do. We got a hole in our bucket. We got a hole in our bottle. And we come back to God with the same bottle and we say, God, fill me up. And God can only fill me up to the level of my crack in the bottle. Does that make sense? But my capacity is far greater when I have a new wine skin. See what fasting I think will do for you? It'll reveal the condition of your heart. It'll expand your capacity to know God better and to deal with life better, I believe. And then it'll expose your commitment. Do you really believe that Jesus is who he says he is? The Son of God and the Savior of the world. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes for just a moment? And if you're a guest with us today, man, I'm, I'm so glad you came. And, and, and you're probably just trying to figure out, okay, now wait a minute. You want me to give up eating for a day. Sounds like a diet to me. It's not a diet. It is a spiritual discipline where you spend time with God and give him access to your heart. So we got kind of a multi-layered invitation Kirby Church member or you call this your church here's what you do you pull out that little card that's in your bulletin you fill it out right now just get your pen get that thing fill it out just say I'm going to do it I'm going to do it I'm going to do it fill it out when we take the offering in about three minutes, just drop it in the offering plate. 
either today or tomorrow, we'll send a test email out, and then Thursday, February, or Friday, February 1st, and whatever day February 1st starts, we, we just start, and we just go, and we'll send you things to pray for and pray about, and we'll help you kind of walk through that time of prayer and your time with God together. I don't know of a person in this room who doesn't need to have the condition of their heart looked at, the capacity of their heart expanded, and their commitment to Jesus deepened. All of that may not happen in one day as you do this spiritual discipline of fasting but I do think you'll get a taste of something better than any steak you've ever had. David, guy who wrote a lot of songs in the Old Testament, said, taste and see that the Lord is good. So I'm inviting you, church, to push away from the table. Don't taste of that food for a day. Taste of the king's food. Spend time with God in prayer. We'll help you through it. But spend time with Him. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, and you don't need to give up food. Remember when I talked about how the issue was not only the the wineskin, but the person holding the wineskin? See, you're hanging on to all the wrong stuff. Sin, stuff, bad things that are wrong, a heart that doesn't embrace God and what he's doing. And you've got to put down that old bottle, that old wineskin, and you've got to pick up the better that Jesus has for you. But to pick up that better, you've got to invite him into your heart. That's how you get that better. Tell him you're sorry for your sins. That's how that better comes about. So if that's who you are, man, would you just pray a simple prayer? Say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Come into my heart. I want that better that you have for me in my life. Speak to me. Would you stand all across the auditorium? I want to pray for everybody in the room right now. Father, Lord, right now, here's the invitation for the church. Fill out the card. Put it in the offering plate. And I know some guys and some women and some teenagers and folks are going to say, I